how did your day start that day? You need to go home right now. It's something about your dad. There's an emergency. They had to call an ambulance and he was on his way to the hospital. I think there's just always a part of me that kind of had this gut feeling that something was going to happen to him. Bruising on his chest, gash on his head. You know, he's found face down in the hotel room. And it's technically an investigation at this point. So like we can't have anyone interfering. We didn't want to invite speculation into this whole situation either. It didn't feel like it was real life anymore. It was a nightmare that I couldn't wake up from. Hey, how's it going? Eh, you know, it's going. We're here. We are here. Welcome to the It's Going podcast. Hi. My name's Isaac. And I'm Susie. So, Mom. Yes. How's it going? It's going. Five years ago... Uh, March 8th of 2018, our lives were turned upside down for forever <laughs> in an instant. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was. So what happened? What happened that day? What do you remember? Oh, I feel like my day started out really complicated because there's context that needs to come into it. So I feel like we should start with how did your day start that day? It was a Thursday. And like we said, March 8th. 2018. So how did your day start? I was 17. I was uh, on the verge of graduating high school. I was in post-secondary doing my prerequisites for nursing school. Those who don't Um, know what post-secondary is uh, in the state that we're from, it's essentially a way for you to go to college during high school. Yeah, yeah. The government pays for if you have good enough grades and you qualify. Um, the government essentially pays for you to start college early. Um, and so, from eleventh for eleventh and twelfth grade, I was full time at the college. And in twelfth grade, part of that actually, um, I got to take my EMT classes and get certified as an EMT, um, kind of to start working in the medical field before I started as a nurse. Mm-hmm. But um, so I was an EMT class. Woke up like any other morning. I'm pretty sure I skipped breakfast. Um, I remember, Did you have like test outs that day? Yeah, I remember going in. I turned my phone on. Well, I think I just turned it on like do not disturb or something. Either way. Um, <laughs> I was unreachable because we were doing like skills testing. Yeah. And so we were kind of in the process of doing like log rolls for C-spine precautions, which um, if you're in the medical field, you'd know what that is. If you're not... It's not very important, but, um, you know, we were practicing medical skills essentially, um, for the field and, um, and I wasn't really paying attention. I remember seeing that you called me, but, um, I was in class and you knew that. So I, I, I kind of just ignored it. Um, and then, well, and then security walked in. Well, let's back up. Okay. Yeah. So. To give a little bit of context, I worked overnights in the ER. Um, I was in the middle of RN school, so I was working in, as an LPN in a hospital. You didn't um, work in the ER yet. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Not the <laughs> ER. I was working on a cardiac floor. Yeah. Overnights. As an LPN. As an LPN. Um, but I was in school as an RN, uh, and I had worked Tuesday night, overnight. I had... On the way home Wednesday, I uh, spoke to my husband, and um, he was out of town for a business trip, <clears throat> which not abnormal. He traveled for his job. Uh, he was about an hour and a half away, and um, during our course of the conversation, driving home, he had made it known that he was going to end up staying another night because uh, he had some things to wrap up again not abnormal this happened off and on um where things came up last minute with customers and his job was to deal with it and so um we had a conversation um like we do any other time and um got home and normally I would go to bed because I'd worked all night but it was one of those days where I was just revved up and sometimes you just can't fall asleep and the longer you stay awake the harder it is to fall asleep and so I ended up staying up all day that day 
I had um, dinner with my sister that evening. And I remember Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening. And I remember um, after dinner, it was roughly around seven o'clock, maybe a little bit after I had been waiting, I think for my Uber. Um, and I texted my husband, Eric, uh, which I'd been married for 19 years, um, with him for 20. Isaac was our only child. And I is your only child <laughs> is our only child Still currently. Yeah. The only child. I don't that have you any have. other children. <laughs> um, so I texted him because I normally, you know, uh, we talked often throughout the day. Uh, so it wasn't abnormal um, to just touch base before uh, both of us went to bed. I hadn't gotten a response, um, which I had like a weird feeling. But at the same time, something about Eric is he was a very hard sleeper so he dealt with insomnia and so when he did fall asleep he slept really hard like we used to joke that you know if we ever had a fire uh we were in trouble because we would never wake him up and get him out of the house Mm -hmm. um and so him not answering a text message again not abnormal um i think i called him and he didn't answer and it was like, you know, again, around 7, 7.15, again, not abnormal because he did work, um, you know, early. So, like, he would travel and then he'd get up at, like, 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and, again, he dealt with insomnia. And so if he would get up or if he got, you know, if he had a long day, he would – it occasionally he would go to sleep early and then he would sleep really hard. So – So morning off. Yeah, not Thursday normal, morning. but also kind of weird feeling, but like not going to make a big deal about it. So left him test message, called him a few times, left voicemail, um, went home, went to bed because I hadn't slept all day. So I went home. I slept till 10 or 11. No, it was about 10. And I got up and I'm like going to make coffee. And I all of a sudden realized that I had... No text messages, no missed calls, nothing from your dad. Mm-hmm. So had he fallen asleep early the night before because he was overtired and he would have been up earlier. He would have been up. He always was up super early, super early. And because it was the day he was coming home, he would have been probably almost home at that point because he was only an hour and a half away. Right. He didn't like stick around and like. So you you got real concerned. Because you were like, this is abnormal that I haven't heard from him yet. Yeah, and if he had fallen asleep, he would have texted me and been like, hey, sorry, I was asleep last night when you texted, when you called, Mm. like, I'm on my way home, etc. Nothing. There's no text. Dad was always very good at communicating that stuff Super good. And um, so so you got worried, and what did you do next? I texted him. No Mm -hmm. response. Uh, And he didn't have read receipt or anything on his phone because again his it was his work phone so um and then i called him no answer and again just something felt wrong yeah it wasn't right so i pulled up find my iphone (laughs) to see where he was at because maybe you know he's on his way home etc and his phone was still at the hotel in the place that he was which was again an hour and a half away yeah not normal because it was already close to or past checkout time. I don't remember what the checkout time was. I'm just like, this is not, this is not him. He's, he should be on his way home. He should have already contacted me. So I called the hotel and I asked to be patched through to his room. So like he's not answering his phone. And I think I'd called a few more times on his cell phone. He answered it or he didn't answer the phone. And I'm starting to feel really nervous and I know something's not right. And so I called the hotel back and I talked to the receptionist and I asked, I said, you know, something's not right. He should be on his way home already. I haven't been able to get a hold of him um, since the morning prior. So I'd like to do like a well check on him. And so she said, okay, and got off the phone facilitated that meanwhile all this stuff is happening i have no idea i'm just in school you know doing my thing i'm not really 
worried about dad. He, you know, it wasn't, I didn't, it's not like he ever, you know, texted me and was like, Hey, I'm on my way home or, yeah, you know, from work no. or whatever. Um, it was a normal day for you. Right. Yeah. And, um, so I remember from, you know, your version of this story, cause we've talked about this a lot, oh, yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. um, that you, you know, they went up and they checked on him and, um, well, they couldn't get in. Right. So, um, because he, ha- he always put the security lock on his door, so they couldn't get in. They had to call security um to get into the room so again not answering the door um but they call me back you know we couldn't get in we had to call security the uh receptionist at the time tells me that they had to call an ambulance and he was on his way to the hospital so that's the information that i had at that point and um so you you try to call me at that point. So at that point, I'm like, there's nothing else they can tell me at that mm-hmm. point, especially you know the hotel receptionist. And I'm like, okay, like I'm gonna come. Um, here's my phone number for you know whoever needs it. And I get off the phone. I text Isaac several times, Nothing. not answering. Yeah. Then I call you several times, not yeah. answering. And I knew you had test out, so I was like, ugh, because I just like obviously it was an emergency, but as a parent, like you don't want to unnecessarily like traumatize or stress your child out and so i was just like i don't i mean i know this is not good but also like i don't want to overreact but but also my dad was going to the hospital as far as we knew so so you so from my perspective you know you 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 obviously called the school i called the school and i was like you have to get him out of class he needs to come home it's an emergency yeah and so so, then for you so i was in the middle of i think i was in the middle of like talking with my instructor uh like about the skills thing or we were in the middle of a skills test. I don't even remember exactly what I was doing. I just remember stuff security walked day. in, talked to my, talked to one of my instructors, and they called my name. And I looked over, and security was there. And I, I went up, and he was like, "You know, you need to. Your mom called looking for you because you weren't answering your phone. You need to go home right now. It's something about your dad. There's an emergency." And like immediately, I remember my heart sank. And there was a lot of stuff going on, you know, behind the scenes with my dad up at that point. Um, just, we were very, very close, but, um, for the last probably six months before this event, there was a lot kind of in the background with our family that we were dealing with. And so because of those things, and we'll get into it, but because of those things, my heart kind of immediately sank sink into your butthole <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah okay, so like and, just a little thing about us medical you know er we have a little bit of a morbid sense of humor so you will see that throughout this yeah. we i start rushing home and i i as soon as i get out of class i called you and i was like what the heck is going on you and know and you're like that point was exactly yeah, what i just you just said explained. i don't know what happened uh your dad's on his way to the hospital um, you know, we need to go figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And so it was about a 10 minute drive home from the college. And so I started driving home. I get home, I pull into the driveway. I go in through the house, through the garage. And when I walk in, you were on the phone yeah, with the right, sheriff, I believe. Right at that point, actually the sergeant of the police department in that city had called me like right as he was walking in. And when you walked in from the garage, there was like an entryway, like an opening to the, from the living room to the kitchen. So I was like right in that like archway mm-hmm. and I'm on the phone with the sergeant and he's, um, I don't even remember what he was explaining to me, but I said something like, I think he asked me like, okay, the receptionist let you know what was going on. Well, and, and so, so from my pers- perspective, right. Just to, just start mm-hmm. with that. Cause I think, um, I walked in, you were on the phone and I remember kind of coming around the corner and I couldn't hear what the sergeant was saying to you on the phone. Cause you had it up to your ear. But then I remember you saying, um, something about an autopsy no i didn't say anything about autopsy. Or, no so what happened was um i'm listening and he no he said that uh he was explaining i guess like i don't even remember exactly what he was explaining but i just remember saying yeah i know we're gonna be coming down there because i heard he's on his way to the hospital in an ambulance so like 
you know, something, I think he was trying to explain like how to get a hold of him or whatever. And I'm like, we're going to be down there. And he goes, Oh no, no. Like he's not going to the hospital. He's dead. And I was just like, okay. And you like really just go into shock at that point. You're just Mm -hmm. like, okay. The whole world just kind of sinks away and you're just kind of like, it's a slow-mo. Yeah. It just, yeah. I don't even know how to explain it. And I walked over to the Island and you were kind of following because you were sort of trying to figure out what was going on and you were standing on the end of the Island. And I just said, okay, so like, what, what do we do? Like, what's the process? Like, I want to come see him. And he was like, no, you can't come see him because it's, because he died alone in a hotel room he they have to do an autopsy and an investigation so you can't see him until after the autopsy well he said autopsy and you heard him say it through the phone okay and all i remember is at that point because i hadn't like looked at you and said he died but but the the details so for me right the details of that whole first week after we found out that he died are all very jumbled and and like the day to day is is very in my memory is very difficult to to remember the details some are but very i i clear yeah some are but, very muddled right a lot of the details of that week are gone like um but there are very specific events throughout it that i remember as clear as day and i don't remember exactly what he said but i remember overhearing autopsy or even just, I just remember hearing something you that made me realize he's dead. Yep. And you and I, looked at me and you I was gone. collapsed on the stairs. So we had stairs like that went upstairs. Um, <laughs> stairs that went upstairs. Stairs that went wow. Upstairs. <laughs> That's very insightful. Um, um, from the kitchen, like on the end of the island. So like yeah. you backed up and just sank onto the stairs well, and just like literally fell apart yeah I and mean, i'm still trying to figure out what's going on well and like, and, and like is. my dad and i were extremely close mm-hmm. i mean uh us as a whole family yeah we're very tight-knit we're we've always had very open communication we've always been very close and i mean my dad and i did so much together he absolutely adored me and i adored him and i looked up to him in every way mm-hmm. and you know and part of that was my perspective of him up until, you know, over the probably six months before he died had kind of shifted because of some of the stuff that was going on um, behind the scenes. But, but ultimately, I mean, like we were still extremely close and, and I was still expecting for us to work everything out and, and for everything to be okay. Cause I had no reason to think otherwise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I couldn't, I had never, I mean, I lost my grandpa when I was 14 and we were very yeah, close. Yeah, so four years before your dad died, your grandpa died, but, who was, well, your great grandpa, because right. he's my grandpa, but you guys were like, we were very he, close, like super, super close. But I never, and his was different. Like we knew he was dying. He, well, we didn't. He well, had a heart attack. we didn't, but we did. And he was on life support for a little while. So there was some time to adjust to it. Right. But in this situation, right, like, I, normal day and then all of a sudden hey something's wrong you need to get home and then you're thinking or i'm thinking right like oh he's in the hospital mm-hmm. you know something happened maybe he got hit by a car or, or and he traveled so know, that was i like, didn't even know that he was still in the hotel room i yeah. didn't have the details that you did so like i you know he traveled maybe he was driving home got in a car accident like that's the sort of thing that was going through my brain but i never imagined that like it was gone mm-hmm. and then and also, I hadn't seen him for quite a few days. It was almost like a week. Well, because he'd been gone like two or three days prior to that, and then he right. stayed an extra night. And so he, I, because he left on what Monday, probably. Or and Sunday. so, and this was the Thursday. So, yeah. like, I hadn't seen him all week. I talked to him last on Tuesday night, which was like a full day and a half prior. Mm-hmm. And then, all of a sudden, he was just gone. And like, okay. and I knew what that meant, but. I don't know. I, I, everything melted away and I couldn't, I had a panic attack. I couldn't like focus on anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I just remember you like collapsed. I'm trying to understand like what the process is. Cause again, you, so a little bit of context about me is that like my entire life, I had a very chaotic family and a very chaotic upbringing. And I have 
I was the oldest child, oldest sibling. And I always was the person I, I like to joke that I was the crisis manager of my family. So I sort of automatically went into this like mode of like managing this crisis. Right. So there's an element of shock that just happens where you're just like, I don't even know how to process this. And then there's this other part of me again, being the parent, being the person I am who who's dealt with the things that I've dealt with, who's just like, okay, I need to figure out like the, what's the, how is like the logistics of what we're dealing mm-hmm. with here. And so I'm on the phone and I'm just trying to figure out like, okay, we can't go see him, you know? So like, it's not the same as the movies, um, maybe in some situations, but like, you know, there, you see shows, you see TV movies and it's always like, you have to go to the morgue to identify them or like, you have to go to the morgue. But but he had his ID on him. He was in the, he was in the hotel room. He was in his hotel room. So like they immediately knew who he was. Yeah. And they were just like, no, that's not how this works. And it's technically an investigation at this point. So like, we can't have anyone interfering. So he's just gone. We have no information at this point. It's just sit and wait. <laughs> and yeah. so at the well, and it's and it's oh geez, we need to start talk, telling. We people have to call people, yeah, and like like start getting stuff sorted. And um, we decided too that we still wanted to go down to that city and collect his belongings. He had a company vehicle. I just his, felt like I needed to get that for some reason. His suitcase and and all of his other. I just stuff didn't want and, his stuff sitting there. Like I right. wanted his things. Um. But, you know, and, and like, this was my first real experience. You know, I was 17. I was on the verge of being an adult. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, I was still living at home. I was still in high school. You know, this this was all very kind of new crisis level for me. I had never been in a position to, to really deal with things on that level. Well, your dad and I really made a point to protect you as much as possible from anything super traumatic. Like... I mean, yeah. not that you didn't deal with things or have like it's well, life, right? I grew up, I, generally, I grew up in a in a, a a healthy family, a healthy household dynamic. Mm-hmm. There was no, you know, very it, besides some of the events with your family specifically, <laughs> um, yeah. there wasn't a lot of like dysfunction or no. you know. And we were very open and honest. You know, you guys strive very hard. You had to a have, very like, stable a, house, right? You guys strive very hard to make sure that we were good at communicating with each mm-hmm. other and, and uh, always hash things out yeah. right away. So then we, if we ever had issues with each other so that we were always, you know, we were always, always very close. Needless to say, you were not a crisis manager. Yeah, I am now. <laughs> I mean, at this point uh, I've kind of taken after you, but also dealing with that has shaped my life in a very different way than I ever yeah. expected. Which we'll get into. And I've also been working in the emergency room as a nurse mm-hmm. and I am, you know, I deal with that kind of level of crisis and, and helping other people through those yeah. things on a daily basis right. now. But at that point, this was kind of my first real exposure to, you know, having to handle my whole entire worldview and life blow up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I think like from there, um, our thought was just like, Oh my goodness, we have to call people and let them know what happened. And we got details from the sergeant as to what were the next kind of steps. Basically he told us that we had to wait or told me that we had to wait until the autopsy was finished. When the autopsy was finished, that they would release his body and that we had to have like a, funeral home so in the state i don't know if it's the same for every state but in the state we lived in you granted i don't really know how you would pick up a body <laughs> well i, I think you had, it's to have, like a, you had it's... to have a funeral home be the intermediary or like the in-between you guys and so yeah it's a, it's an interesting I, so basically you know, it's like I... we had to like the medical examiner would be calling to get additional details about eric and his you know, health, medical stuff, context of what mm-hmm. had been going on the last few days, any of that stuff to help them with their investigation of the death. Um, and then they would perform the autopsy. It was a Thursday. Their plan was to have it done by Friday. And then Saturday, the hopefully it should be good to go to pick up his body and that we needed to have a funeral home on standby. Yeah, basically. We had to have somebody um, picked out so that they could coordinate getting his body. And and, and so we started calling people. And I remember very specifically, the person you were most worried about calling was uh, his mom. 
Yeah, his mom and dad. Yeah, my, I, my it grandma. literally was the worst phone call I've ever had to make in my entire life. Right. I, and I've had to make some difficult phone calls in my life. Yeah. And that was the dread that I felt having to like part this news to them. It, I don't even know how to explain it. It was incredibly awful. It caused so much anxiety. And you know, the thing is, is like, it wasn't my fault. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was just the messenger, right. but, um, but it was just having that weight on your shoulders of like knowing that your life is totally blown apart, but now you're going to completely devastate somebody else. I'm going to ruin your whole day right now. Like I have some news that it's going to just, it's going to ruin your week. Well, and, and I like... totally forgot <laughs> that his parents were at, um, his sister, his sister's house and, and her husband, um, they lived in Florida. And so, Oh yeah, they were all in. Florida. Yeah. So his parents were in Florida. They were coming back that day. Um, like they they were supposed to fly out later that day or the next morning. I can't remember. Yeah, hair in my eye. And um, so I call them and like they answer the phone. But also besides calling them, we, you called. I think the first person you called was our grand, like my grandma, your grandma. Yeah, yeah. I called. I called your grandma, who was married to my great grandpa, who um who died a few years back. Yep. Um, we've been very close with her my entire life yeah she's, um, she's my great-grandma but she she's not as old as you would think for being my great-grandma no. <laughs> um different story and there spirit and yeah everything um, else. you know so i made that call which was terrible and i remember calling my best friend at the time who also was out of state he was in arkansas hmm. um and then i also a bit of background we're both christian we have a faith mm-hmm. uh and it had it played a very big role in our grief and our support system and you know that it's different for everybody that's what we believe but um but i remember calling kind of one of the the coordinators of our of our congregation Mm -hmm. to just let him know what had happened um and so he kind of announced it to uh, during the next get together um or the the next meeting congregational meeting uh they kind of announced that he died um and so we had a lot of people from our congregation who also knew fairly quickly um and uh were a big support for us in those first few days well all the way through the funeral really but um well even beyond that so i was making a lot of those calls where you were talking to my dad's family yeah his Um, his parents specifically right yeah i don't even remember i just remember feeling so much dread and like i have to call and tell you this and at this point i think it's we should make it clear like we had no idea what what happened happened to him we had minimal information i had minimal information on how he was found he was found laying on the floor next to his bed face down um and, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of other information. Um, I think he had, like, some empty beer cans in his room. But nothing, like, They They didn't crazy. really tell us the whole... They were like, well, he had he had a bottle of alcohol in his room and then some beer cans, which, you know, wasn't uncommon for him to, you know, have some drinks or whatever. Um, and just that he was laying on, his, on the floor next to the bed, so it wasn't like they found him in his bed. So that was a little bit strange. He had had a gash on the back of his head, which again, mm-hmm. like your brain just goes into all these different directions. He had bruising on his chest. He had bruising. Um, and he, they said that it looked like he was on his way back from the bathroom or something. Right? No, that was later. The, oh, okay. the medical examiner had a theory as to what maybe caused those injuries, but, and we'll get into that, but um, I, yeah, so I, we had, so eventually, you know, we had family and uh, your best friend come to our house to kind of help us and yeah. we were prepping to go to down to where he died to pick up his stuff and i remember i mean all of it was just a blur you know we had i don't remember who drove i don't remember the car ride at all i remember walking into the sheriff's or the the, the police, police station to get their his stuff his stuff um and then i remember coming home i don't remember going to bed i don't remember there's so much that i think my brain has kind of either blocked out or chosen to just like the details weren't important. Yeah. Um. But I all I remember is 
what I felt and what I felt was just completely and utterly numb. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, it was a lot of emotion and a lot of nothingness at the same time Mm -hmm. um, where nothing else, nothing mattered anymore. Everything was just like void. I, um, and I was, I was kind of in a, a daze, I guess, or like, um, it didn't feel like it was real life anymore. No, it didn't. It. I felt like I was dreaming, um, going through those steps mm-hmm. and like making that journey. And like, I felt like I was going to wake up from a nightmare. Um, and I, obviously we never did, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the other issue with this whole event, right. It started out as any normal day. And all of a sudden our lives were turned upside down and we had zero answers. We had no idea what happened. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any, like we had our theories. Um, and the, you know, there was a little bit of, as I have already said, there, there's some things that were going on behind the scenes um, with my dad and yeah. in terms of his mental health and, you know, kind of self-medicating and doing some other things. But um, he he had been doing a lot of work on that stuff. He had been going to therapy. He had been, he'd right. seen a psychiatrist and was, it was finally on like depression meds. He had gotten a sleep, like get a that, sleep uh, study yeah. done and like trying to get on top of his mental health. And then. But just even like the way it was just things just didn't add up. Like right. there was no logical info, like answer for this. Cause there, there was like the idea of like, did, well, he, yeah, did he, he had a, he had a tooth infection a few days before, if yeah. you remember that. And yeah. so like, there was kind of this idea of maybe, you know, maybe that, and he, he refused to go to the dentist or no, he went to the dentist for like the first time in a decade because his tooth yeah. hurt so bad. And, uh, and so we were, you know, maybe, maybe there was, the infection was worse than what we thought. And, well, and but then like, that didn't really make sense. Cause he had bruising on his ribs and the gash on his head. And we're like, maybe he fell and hurt himself. But then, and then there was also the and idea. And you're always like, like, he was only like, mind you, he was 38 years old. So I was 37 at the time. Isaac was 17. Right. He was 37. He was young. In very good health. He didn't have any chronic issues. I think he had, um, he had a high blood pressure, um, like not exorbitantly high but enough that he was on some blood pressure medication so again your thoughts kind of go to like did he have a heart attack i mean it happens right with people that young um yeah did he have a heart attack did he did he have a brain bleed because we knew he had the gash on his head i mean there's just all these different directions or even even you know did he did he overdose did he kill himself like there was there was the thought of maybe he committed suicide and, and you know that was something that went through my brain uh, yeah, just I don't given, know if it went through my brain but that was i mean just given what had been happening with his his mental health and like you know he was self-medicating and he was doing he wasn't doing well for a solid almost well like a year and like a half. eight eight months well I think it started about a year and a half before started he died, the, but the like summer it got really bad that. the summer before he died. Right. And we didn't really know how bad it was until that winter. Mm-hmm. It was like November when we figured out. No, it was December, beginning of yeah. December, when we really knew everything that was going on. Right. And then we it, could sense, we could tell March. that something bad was going on, mm-hmm. but it didn't really come out what was going on with, he didn't tell us until I confronted him one day. Yeah. But... And and uh and he kind of told us how bad he told me how bad his kind of mental state was yeah but either way i mean the reality is is that we had inklings about things or things that we were a little bit like it could be this it could be that but nothing zero answers no indicators you know in the way that they found him or like anything that would give us any indication as to what happened now here's the thing is that when all these people start to come to your house, which the the majority of people came the next day. But even that evening or that afternoon. We had probably 20 people come through our house that night. I remember family stayed with us for a while. People spent the night at our house. Your friend spent the night. Yeah. Grandma spent the night. Um, I think your sister spent the night as well. I don't know if she did. I, I don't. Again, details are fuzzy on some of these things. But, but- my point is, is that everyone asks. What happened? Yeah. How did it happen? How How did did he die? die? Like, you know, and we didn't have answers. And even the things that we were maybe a little bit concerned about, which we just, you know, went through, 
we also didn't want to start the gossip mill because this is a person that we love dearly. We knew that he had struggled with a few things before he died and we hadn't even like dealt with it really completely ourselves yet. So like we didn't want to invite speculation into this whole situation either because we wanted to protect him and also just protect ourselves. I think, um, from having to deal with that. And, you know, like everyone loves a good salacious story and loves to talk about all the stuff. I mean, we're all human. It happens. But I just remember feeling this like strong sense of we have to be careful about what we say because we don't know and we don't want like the rumor mill to be starting because we are talking through it and trying to figure it out ourselves and come to term with it and other people pick it up and just run with a theory when we have no answers yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then at the same time, having something like that, you know, in your life blow up, your, you know, our whole life blew up and then not knowing anything about what, like we had our, the details were so fuzzy. Like, like I said, there was, you know, bruising on his chest, gash on his head, you know, he's found face down in the hotel room. And that's, and, and, and there was some alcohol in his room. And that was all we knew Yep. at that point. And, and, and it's like, like and a it's, responsibility for answers too. Like, right. especially like with his family yeah. and things like that. It's like, I felt like I should have answers. Like it was my responsibility to know what happened and it's yeah. just this feeling of like helplessness. Yeah, I mean it was just we were stuck with having to deal with all the feelings and not and like without any sort of closure whatsoever. Like, you know, if we would have known it's, you know, he had a heart attack and he died and it's like, okay, well Or just like it was clear cut. Like Yeah. Just you know, a car accident well, and, would have been clear cut. I mean, there still would have been an- like questions. Well, and like, it's it wouldn't have taken away the pain, but it's it would have um at least I don't know how much it really would have helped to have the answers no, at that point. But it's just like you always think, like, maybe if we'd known less, it would have been easier, or, you know. Right. And I, and even with some of the injuries he had, it was like, did he get in a fight with somebody? And like, <laughs> I have no injury? idea. Like, which what was completely, would have been completely out of character, but like, maybe he was assaulted. Like, he, he, they it basically, he had bruising on his face as well from sense. being face down, but like, we didn't know how much of that was from the, um, lividity yeah. or whatever. Um, and so it just, it, it, there was so much mystery around it for, for really honestly for months yeah. before we had to wait for autopsy results it to was come like back, three and a half toxicology months. results to come back, the medical examiner we had to, you know, and so, and the police investigation and all of these things, you know, it just didn't, we didn't have any answers. No, we didn't. And, and we just lost the mo- one of the most important people in both of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and going forward from that too, I mean, he was my dad, but he was your husband. And yeah. both of us, A, dealt with those things in very different ways because we're both different people. But like our relationship with him was very different. So we were trying to grieve very different relationships as well. Yeah. Um, but that first day was a very long day and it was extremely intense and I just I it was all a blur and it was all I think back to the day and I just I remember the first bit of like panic that set in when I heard the news Mm -hmm. and then from there on I was just numb and like I felt like I was dreaming and it was a nightmare that I couldn't wake up from well I also remember like having to go to bed that night and there's a part of you that is just like still i mean the shock didn't wear off for a long time (laughs) um a very long time for me and there's a shock and at the same time like it didn't feel a whole lot different either because he did travel regularly for work so like it wasn't uncommon for him to be gone a night or two or a few nights in a row and so it's not like you were you were going to bed into an empty bed that normally was always full it was like you know you work night shift Mm mm-hmm and, then and he, he traveled a lot, so yeah. like you guys didn't always share the bed. You so know. like it, it there is this like surreality too of like he's he just feels like he's gone for a work night. Well, and and 
part of that like dream state that you kind of go into is or the denial kind of part of it is there is a, a big part of it of like he's not dead he's gonna come home yeah you know like it, it was well, all we a, hadn't seen him it was all a ruse we didn't see the body he's not gone they had the wrong guy like like maybe he you do hope you yeah. hope <laughs> well you hope and, and you you start running through that mill in your brain because you don't want to accept the i mean the the horrifying nature of your new reality of mm-hmm. you know losing somebody so important to you that has i mean for me my dad you know shaped who i am in mm-hmm. in so many ways and i still relied on him for a lot mm-hmm. and you know nowadays some of the things that i as you know i'm almost 23 it's been almost, it's been over 5 years now Mm-hmm. and you start to now I'm starting to grieve a lot of the things that um that I don't get to do with my dad that I never will you know like as an adult I've gotten to know you as an adult yeah. I've gotten to know you as Susie and not just my mom yeah. I've gotten to know you as a friend yeah. and you know now I don't get that opportunity with with my dad all of a sudden, yeah. like, I don't get to, I don't get to ask him about girl problems. I don't get to ask him for advice. I don't get to call him up anymore and try to figure out like, how do I fix my car? Or, you know, I had, and he had taught me so much up to that point already, but yeah, you were very fortunate to have but the he time was that a, you did with a, him, but it still wasn't enough. Yeah. He was smart. He was a very smart individual and he had so much to there's so much that I still wish I could learn from him mm-hmm. that I now never will get that opportunity. Yeah, and I can't I can't give you that same experience because even though I knew him inside and out being together with him as long as I did, I still I still have a hard time remembering like how would he have responded to this? How would he have thought about this? And even if I could remember all of that, like being able to give you that same sense of like how he would approach it is just it's almost impossible. Well, the relationship you have father son is very different than mother son. Yeah, I'm just and, saying like I couldn't even right. give you that information. And like, for you, right, you were, you know, I was on the verge of graduating high school. I was on the verge of leaving the house and and you guys were I'm an only child. You were on the verge of empty, empty nest, nest <laughs> you yeah. know, and you were you were in the process of of planning what was next in your life together. I was born pretty soon after you got married. Yeah. You know, and you guys were young when you had me. Yeah. You were, what, 20? Almost 20, yeah. So you're not... Like an eight, a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, what, you got... You, so that's the other thing, is you were married 19 years, almost mm-hmm. 20. Mm-hmm. You got married two weeks after you turned 18. Yep. And he was 19 or 20? Almost 20. Almost 20. Yeah. And then a year and a half later, you had me. Yep. So you didn't have a lot of time as a married couple, and you were both very young when you had me, mm-hmm. and then I was your priority. And so you guys were planning on like I remember you planning on what are we going to do together yeah. when Isaac's we had you two know, transitions onto coming. his own life. Yeah, I mean we had two transitions coming up. We had you becoming an adult and sort of like moving into adult things. With and we knew you wouldn't move out right away because you were planning on going to college and doing nursing school and all that. But like we knew that was coming up. But then also you know having to deal with that transition of like you becoming more independent and doing your own thing and becoming an adult and how that changes with our relationship with you but also our own relationship like okay so now we don't have to like we we're not going to be planning our lives around like what's going on with you or you know we have to you guys were free we gotta well we gotta let you go a little bit you know well you were on the verge you know and you guys had always thought about moving to a different state moving to california where you live now yeah um but also or just you know doing something different where you're not locked into where we were yeah, and a lot I mean, of the reason why you were is because you wanted to build a life for me and raise mm-hmm. me properly which i appreciate obviously i've turned out great <laughs> um <laughs> no uh but you guys did a great job of teaching me the fundamentals of you know my i mean my whole life but like communication and and teaching me how to deal with the world and a lot of that I learned after dad died too and a lot of it I learned on my own Mm -hmm. but you guys set up that baseline very well yeah and I know you did it very purposefully because again we've talked about a lot of that stuff um but all of that kind of 
got turned upside down in a very quick period. Yeah, you, and, and you just don't ever think it's going to happen to you. And I right. think, like, you and I have talked about this before, is on one hand, there was obviously this disbelief and the shock, uh, the fact that this was happening. Like, I can't believe this happening to me. But there's also a part of me, my entire time that I was married to Eric, there was a part of me that subconsciously was preparing for him to not be here. I used to think all the time with him traveling, like, what if he got in a car accident? I just always was mentally preparing, like, what would it be like if he wasn't here? How would I deal with that? How would I deal with his loss? And um, I think there's just always a part of me that kind of had this gut feeling that something was going to happen to him. And I can't explain it. I don't claim to know why, but I just did. I, I remember the closer we got to you being an adult and moving out, like, up until that point, I always could look in the future and see five years down the road, what our lives might look like, like what our goals might be, what our lives as a couple would look like as a family, like, you know, the five-year plan, whatever. Mm -hmm. You could see it a little bit, not necessarily that you see into the future, but you envision what it could look like, right? And I remember a year or two before he died, having just being, it's, it being a struggle, to have a mental picture imagine your life in a few years after you graduated and again not that you were moving up but it there it was a very like obvious time that we would start to be separate right, right. and i and i think i think i don't think it's uncommon for people in general like we always have kind of what they call intrusive thoughts or or you know your brain kind of not picks up on patterns and does weird things but I feel like a lot of people have played those sorts of scenarios out. Yeah, in like brain. what would Especially happen? Especially people with anxiety. You know, you play, <laughs> you uh, you play out all these crazy scenarios in your head, and you're like, "What would I do in this situation?" And what? what? And 99 of the time, you know, those things don't come true. Mm -mm. But in our case, it did. Like you had this kind of weird gut feeling, and you kind of had a yeah. like, "What would I do?" But even for me, I had played through those scenarios more than once of what if I lost both my parents? What if I lost my dad? What if I lost my mom? But very specifically, I remember the Friday before he died, Yeah, I was snowboarding. Um, and I remember being on the chairlift and riding up and I was with my friends, but I kind of zoned out for like two minutes while we were going up, you know, up the hill on the chairlift. And I remember they were talking and I was just in my own little zone and I was I was on that topic in my brain thinking about like what would I do if I got the call right now that my dad died and I don't know why I don't know why exactly that went through my brain at that time um but it didn't I remember you know I remember almost crying in that moment just because I was uh I like went down that rabbit hole and was like man that would be so hard that would be really you know all of the feelings that would come with that, I just put myself in that position for some reason. And then, and then I was like, yeah, but that would never happen, you know? Yeah. And then less than a week later, that exact nightmare came true. Uh -huh. And like you said, it was kind of a, it was a very surreal moment because it was like, I just thought about this and like, well, it was like, it's weird. You're shocked and in shock and numb and all of those things but also like not entirely surprised yeah it will, it's it, such a weird it's such a weird like conundrum and your brain goes into these really weird places and then of course you're just like what's wrong with me why am i thinking yeah. about this stuff <laughs> uh, and it's anxiety but there's you know that and after this day right so this is the first day that we've been talking about for weeks there was so much mystery around what happened months months you know and we has still had to move forward and deal with the funeral and deal with family and deal with everybody pressuring us to figure out what happened like people were asking nonstop, you know even any word any day. word what happened you know like and even even it's there's always an interesting thing too because people's when you say that like oh my dad died or you know or my husband died or whatever oftentimes the first thing that people ask you is what happened yeah like and it's and, natural curiosity like right. i think as humans we just especially in that case where it's like curious. a young person yeah. he was 38 
you know, I was 17 when you died know. and everyone's I'm, like, what happened to your dad? I mean, I have a morbid curiosity. So like, I just, I don't think it's abnormal, but it is a really difficult question. Like it's invasive when you're on the other end of it. Right. Well, and, and in his case, when we eventually did figure out exactly what happened and even still, we didn't have all the answers. It became incredibly complicated to explain what mm-hmm. happened to him. Without it being, without it perpetuating a stigma or a, a stereotype or a thought process. We're also just ruining people's perceptions of him. Yeah. Because like part of the thing for me was my dad, I love my dad and he loved us very deeply. He mm-hmm. was an amazing person. He was an amazing dad, a great husband. He was very loving. He He loved us more than he loved himself, I think. And the idea, the way that he died was very difficult for either of us to grasp Mm -hmm. and more than that to explain to anybody else because there's there's stigma behind how he died and what it means for his character and and it's not who he was Mm -hmm. and so but up until we figured up until we found out like there was all this mystery everyone asked all the time did you hear do you know what's going on how did he die? Or if they had not heard and you're like, oh, my husband just died. Oh, well, what happened? Can and while we're waiting for answers, guess what? Life carries on. Mm-hmm. The world moves on and you're still stuck in this spot with no answers, cradling the life that you had mm-hmm. and all the broken glass, you know, the shards of the life you had trying to piece things back together and it's impossible. Yeah. And then you have all these decisions you have to make. Like me, it was just... All of a sudden, it was like financial issues, insurance, and like all sorts of other stuff. The talking to the medical examiner, the funeral, the I mean, all the stuff. The funeral home and the body stuff and the. I mean, speaking of day two, hey, you know how this works. If you like this episode or just like us in general, you can find us at It's Going Podcast on all the things. Don't forget to check out the links in the description. And thanks for hanging out with us.